It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Sunday, March 8th, 2020. On this day in 1999, the Supreme Court of the United States upheld the murder conviction of Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the Supreme Court's decision not to hear an appeals case for the Oklahoma City bomber. Let's go back to the morning of March 8, 1999, to the office of attorney Richard Burr in Texas. Richard Burr sat behind his desk, pretending to do business as usual. He was supposed to be reviewing files, but really, he was waiting for news, whether his latest client would live or die. Burr had been a lawyer for over 20 years. He took cases that other lawyers wouldn't touch, defending people society had failed. He was a staunch proponent against the death penalty, and today he'd find out if he'd won his latest battle. Months before, he'd filed an appeal known as a writ of certiorari for a client on death row. Every year, the Supreme Court receives over 5,000 writs of certiorari. Each highlights the injustice that a person feels has happened to them in the lower courts. In order for a case to be heard, it needs to be voted on by at least four justices who believe that there is something up for debate. However, the court hears less than a hundred cases a year, so Burr knew the odds inherently weren't good. But he had previously presented two other cases in front of the Supreme Court. He knew what he was doing when he sent up the writ of certiorari. He also knew this case was different. His client was one of the most hated men in the United States. It had been four years, but the sting of what happened hadn't lessened. A rider truck exploded in front of the Murrah Federal Building on April 19, 1995, in downtown Oklahoma. The blast sheared off one half of the six-story building, killing 168 people, including 19 children. Shockwaves traveled miles away from the epicenter and injured over 600 people. The attack had captured the national spotlight and Burr's client, Timothy McVeigh, was the prime suspect. McVeigh had been convicted of the crime on June 2, 1997, and Burr had joined his legal counsel shortly after. Burr thought that the jury had been tainted by a false news report that his client had confessed to the crime. At least four of the jury members had claimed to have heard the report, but said that it wouldn't cloud their judgment. Burr disagreed. He believed in fair process and the courts. 
he could only hope McVeigh got a fair trial. The phone rang and Burr got the news. He wasn't all that surprised by what he was told. He knew how people felt about the bomb. Hell, he knew how he felt about it himself. Nevertheless, Burr was still disappointed. The Supreme Court wouldn't be taking a look at the case. True justice had failed his client. After hearing of the Supreme Court's decision, he told the AP, we had hoped the Supreme Court would be able to rise above the terrible human consequences. It is so easy to say no to Timothy McVeigh. The majority of the country celebrated this decision and believed McVeigh was going to get what he deserved, death. Up next, more about Timothy McVeigh's case. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On March 8, 1999, Timothy McVeigh's appeal was rejected by the Supreme Court. They gave no justification. They simply weren't interested in hearing the case of an American terrorist. Two years earlier, in 1997, he'd been convicted of killing 168 people in Oklahoma City. It was the largest act of homegrown terror in United States history. So what spurred McVeigh to commit such a terrible act of violence? It started with his military service during the Gulf War. He didn't agree with the killing he witnessed there. After he was honorably discharged, he moved around the country, increasingly worried about the growing overreach of the federal government. This was amplified in 1993, when the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives attempted to raid a cult compound in the Texas city of Waco. The ATF had heard the cult, the Branch Davidians, had a large stash of high-powered rifles. When they went to forcefully enter the compound, they were met with heavy resistance, and several of their agents were killed in a gunfight. The ATF retreated, and a standoff began. McVeigh visited Waco during the standoff, and even voiced his support of the cult to a local television reporter. By this point, he was convinced that the government was going to exercise their power to disarm the nation. He believed what was happening at Waco would begin happening all over the country. But he became even angrier at the government after what happened next. After a months-long standoff, the ATF decided once again to raid the compound, but things went horribly wrong. In the ensuing siege, 76 members of the cult died in a fire. McVeigh believed that the federal government was responsible for their deaths, even when it was revealed that the cult's leader, David Koresh, had apparently ordered the fires to be set. McVeigh came to believe that the federal agents involved in the Waco standoff were headquartered in Oklahoma City, and he wanted revenge. 
Along with his accomplice, Terry Nichols, McVeigh built a rudimentary bomb using fertilizer and gasoline. They then loaded the explosive into the back of a rental truck. On April 19, 1995, two years to the day since the siege of Waco, McVeigh parked the truck on the north side of the Murrah Federal Building and walked away. He was wearing a t-shirt that said, Sic Semper Tyrannis, or Thus Always to Tyrants. It was what John Wilkes Booth had shouted before he assassinated President Lincoln. At 9.01 a.m., countless federal employees were beginning their day at work. At 9.02 a.m., the bomb went off. The explosion left a 30-foot-wide crater in the earth and completely destroyed the north side of the building. It caused over $652 million in damage and injured nearly 700 people. In the days following the explosion, there was a massive rescue and cleanup operation and police were desperately searching for answers. Luckily, they didn't have to waste their time looking for McVeigh. The authorities stopped the bomber merely 90 minutes after the explosion for driving without a license plate and arrested him for carrying a concealed weapon. His conviction came backed with a wealth of evidence from the federal government. Not only did they have the VIN number of the rental truck that contained the explosives and witnesses who saw him walk away, they also had witnesses who swore they'd seen McVeigh and Nichols loading the bomb-making materials into the back of the truck. After they were both tried and found guilty, Nichols was sentenced to life in prison. McVeigh, on the other hand, was given the death penalty. He challenged it, which led his case to the desk of the Supreme Court, where the justices denied it striking it back down to the lower courts on March 8th. But even after McVeigh's case was turned down by the Supreme Court, he still had other opportunities to get off of death row. He started the process to get his case heard by an appeals court, but quickly dismissed the idea. McVeigh stated that he would rather die than spend the rest of his life in prison. He knew he couldn't win against the federal government. They were the ones perpetuating violence all over the world. If they weren't going to let the Supreme Court review his case, there would be no chance of a lower court siding with his appeal. It was stacked against him, but he expected that when he started his personal war against the government. On June 11, 2001, Timothy McVeigh was given his last meal. He ate two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream and was read his last rites. He was wheeled into the execution room in the Federal Corrections Facility in Terre Haute, Indiana. Family members of the victims were gathered in another room watching on a small television. It had been seven years, but the pain was still fresh. He was stone-faced and quiet. He never spoke to the people in the room directly. Instead, his last statement was read aloud by his lawyer, the poem Invictus by William Ernest Henley. After a few moments, he was strapped to the table and had several IVs stuck into his body. 
It took only two moments for the medications to be pushed into his veins, and soon the stone face went slack. Timothy McVeigh was dead. After several failed appeals attempts, justice had finally been served. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on the Oklahoma City bombing, check out the ParCast original, Conspiracy Theories, which covered the controversy around the crime. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Aaron Larson, and Paul Mahler. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 